0: And uh, we came back, I guess we were about a half an hour. And in that half an hour, our lives changed. Our family's lives changed. Uh, Everything was different because uh, he had threatened her uh, and he had raped her.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer. And joining me today is my husband, director author speaker mark archer
2: taking a brief pause from binging my favorite 80s television shows.
1: (laughs) yes so we are a husband and wife filmmaking team with over 30 years of combined experience in the motion picture industry and we are on a mission to educate motivate and inspire others to take a bold stand for truth through the documentary films we make Together, we are the team behind the nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, a Christ-centered filmmaking ministry creating movies about the issues impacting our society and culture from a biblical perspective. We have two documentary feature films completed in the last three years, Inwood Drive, and now most recently, The Mind Polluters. And you can learn more about those movies by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. It's also a great place for you to make that one-time or monthly donation as this program and the movies we make are viewer and listener supported. You become a force multiplier for truth when you partner with us through our nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. So I am excited. We have a lot of new listeners as our latest documentary film, The Mind Polluters, is making its way across select cities in the U.S., So if you are new to the program and joining us for the first time, welcome. We are glad you're here. So we are going to spend the next few weeks reintroducing the contributing cast members in our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters, as there are 15 cast members plus the two of us as your hosts in the film. And The Mind Polluters is an investigative documentary film that took us 14 months to produce after we learned about the graphic, comprehensive sex ed and social-emotional learning being forced on children of all ages through the education system, and we cover a lot in the hour 42-minute film, and it's one that moviegoers are eager to share with their friends and family after they've watched it. As one attendee recently said, "'This film is very informative. If you're having a hard time connecting all the dots, this is a must-see. Your children's minds are being robbed of their innocence and sound reasoning skills.'" review in from Ingrid in Indiana. Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you. So we're going to retrace our steps and bring you into the conversations we've had with each cast member as each person has a unique perspective into what's presented in the Mind Polluters. So first up, we're going to start with Dr. Judith Reisman, who had a PhD in mass media effects and communication and worked on and researched pornography, child sex abuse, the causes of child sex abuse, and much more. And I say had because mm-hmm. Judith uh, passed away in April of 2021.
2: Right. We entered the this interview. We interviewed her in December of 2020. 20. And um, yeah, and then she passed just a few months after that. So this is uh, this is part one of actually six parts that we had with Judith. Um, her interview was amazingly in depth
1: well, she spent decades yeah. decades of research
2: yeah, forty years that she researched this and her her depth of knowledge was just hard to fathom um and if you haven't seen the film uh then when you when you do see the film, you can just see in Judith the years of um carrying this burden mm-hmm you can hear it in her voice um but a lot of this to us was we were still in the discovery phase you know, as far as our research, so yeah um we were still learning all of this as we went we were we were ecstatic and honored to be able to interview Judith for this film' as far as I can tell it's it's probably the last major film or you know production that she was involved in, yeah. Uh, I know she was excited about it. Um, So once you listen to this, this is part one. And then if you want to pick up on the rest of hers. So our point with this over the next few weeks is to give you a reintroduction to all of the major cast members Mm -hmm. in the film. So that if you haven't seen the film, you can catch up and um, and kind of build out your knowledge base before you do. If you have seen the film, here's the rest of the story. <laughs> right. So, um, especially
1: for our new listeners who are just joining us, right, it might be it might be hard to find where all of these people
2: are. Right. So this is uh, this is part one. We'll put links to this in the show notes. Part two is episode sixty nine. Part three with Judith is episode seventy. Part four is seventy one. Part five is episode seventy two. And then part six uh is episode seventy-eight. And part six is uh right after we learned that Judith had passed. Right. So we were just we were just still introducing Judith to everyone in this journey to make the film, and then we lost her. Yeah. So
1: So and you can search the archives by visiting fearlessfeatures dot org forward slash podcasts.
2: Mm-hmm. Lots of good, uh, yeah. So if you if you feel like binging something, you can go back and start listening to all of these. There's there's so much uh, uh, of this. This was when we were doing we we sped up our release schedule. Mm-hmm. We were doing two podcasts a week because we had so much information, um, and then we slowed it back down to once per week mm-hmm. because we couldn't keep up. So right. <laughs> there are, there's just two of us. So, which is why it's so important that we, uh, that w- you as our listeners understand that um, what Amber was saying, that we are listener supported, that's legit. We do not take money from corporate donors. We don't take money from grants. Um, this film and the one before Fearless Features has been from the very beginning um, sustained by you, the listeners, mm-hmm. you, the viewers, um, and we could really use your help. This is a an enormous task. the The phase that we're in now with the mind polluters is the release phase, the marketing phase. If you are anywhere near where the film is going to be shown, please make an effort to come out and see it. Um it will go out to a more to a wider release in the spring. We'll have more details on that in the following months. But uh right now we're crowdsourcing our marketing. Yep. And um we're also doing a lot of traveling to get out and promote the film and try to meet as many of you as we can as we go. So
1: yeah. So with that, let's get to our first interview with Dr. Judith Reisman. My name is Judith Reisman. Um, I
0: have a PhD in mass media effects and communication. And uh, I have been uh, working on pornography, uh, child sexual abuse, the causes of child sexual abuse, uh, for many many years, and um, I got my degree it was in I think seventy six something like that. Yeah, uh, I I had been working for Captain Kangaroo, doing songwriting and singing, you know, my material, and also for educational television before that, uh, what we called ETV. No, we would, yeah, that's right, educational. They call it now PBS. I don't know what they call it. But uh, So I'd been doing a lot of work uh, creating um, musical materials for these guys and um, awards, got awards and whatnot, and um, was very happy with all that. Uh, I did a program called Children's Fair on which I was Cousin Judy and I sang with a puppet and that kind of thing, you know, and it was really nice. And then um, everything switched, everything changed when I found that my daughter had been sexually abused by a 13-year-old boy upstairs. It shifted my interest, shall we say, to why, you know, he he was coming from a, a... Intact, you would call it, father, mother, family. He had a younger brother. Uh, why did he do this?
1: And how, how old was your daughter?
0: Ten. Mm-hmm. And in those years, a ten-year-old was considered, you know, my goodness, that was ridiculous. You know, nowadays, okay, we're down to children, babies, mm-hmm. babies, really, honestly, because I do a regular Google se- search for baby rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
1: it's we're disintegrating rapidly. So tell me more about the incident that happened and tra- changed your trajectory in your life's work. Ah, uh, yeah. Um,
0: my husband and I had been out walking. It was in Milwaukee. We lived in Milwaukee at the time, and we lived in a little farm community. So you know, it seemed like the safest place in the world. And so we went for a little walk. And we told my daughter, Jenny, to keep an eye on the other three girls while we walked. We were across the way, just just down, you know, just slightly across. And uh, so she said, yeah. And she was supposed to be watching the, her three sisters. And uh, we came back. I guess we were about a half an hour. And in that half an hour, our lives changed, our family's lives changed. Uh, everything was different because we came back and uh, she was a little upset, but we couldn't tell anything right away. But it turned out that uh, the boy had raped, raped her. And while, while the old, while our other neighbor boy, um stood guard over the other three girls so that they wouldn't know what was going on uh he had threatened her uh and he had raped her and um she didn't say anything about it but some, something was very wrong right and finally a couple days later she admitted this is what happened or or was it a couple of days later maybe not no It was a full year before we really found out. It's something, we knew something, but it it was a full year. And she had, uh, we didn't drink, you know, but we had a bottle of wine we sometimes used on Friday nights, you know, for Shabbat kind of thing. And uh, we found she was taking wine on the bus. And putting it into a little bottle, and she was giving, handing it out to the boys, and just completely unusual behavior for her, uh, and um, and then other behaviors were completely out of character. And one night, I she was in the tub, and I asked her what what, what was bothering her, and she said, "You're going to tell Daddy." Now, I always was raised to—I was raised to believe, you know, we should share everything. The husband and wife should know everything. Uh, But her father was a a violent guy on occasion, and she was had reason to be concerned. And so I said, "No, it's okay. I'm not telling Dad. We'll keep this. It's okay." And something is bothering you. So she said. She told me what happened. She said. and I said, well, it was not your fault, honey. This had nothing to do with, you know, certainly you didn't do anything wrong, but you were seduced. Now, that was the only word I knew in those days. We didn't even know. We didn't even say rape. Mm-hmm. Rape was not, it was so uncommon to, to hear about, so on. But that was okay. It you know, didn't make that much difference. And so of course my immediate thought was well we we really should tell daddy you know no 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 you can't tell daddy so i tried uh, that's when i called my friend i had to tell somebody mm-hmm. so i called my friend in berkeley california mm-hmm. carol i told her what happened and she said well judy don't don't you don't have to you know take that too seriously she said, you know, children are sexual from birth. You know, so she says uh, she probably gave out some kind of, of you know, reasonable image that that, that caused it to happen. It, it probably didn't bother her. And I said, that's not what happened. I know, no, you know, she was upset, and this this damage was damaging, and no. And so I hung up. And I thought, that was not the kind of answer that I accepted. So I called my aunt in Maryland, a nice, respectable matriarch, right? and I told her what happened. And she said, well, you know, Judy, she said, you have to understand, children are sexual from birth. I thought, what? What? She says, you know, she probably put out sort of, you know, some kind of vibe, and, and he picked it up, and and so that's what happened. I said, you know, from from Berkeley to Maryland, matriarch. What what is that? You know, from a from um a, a, a gal who's you know wears the Birkenstock shoes, and and it's all you know to to Maryland. Uh, no, that something is really a, awry here. Um, so, uh, and we ended up telling Daddy, but he was okay. I mean, but his response was interesting. He said, "Did you have her check, to have her checked for venereal disease?" Or he didn't say that. Have her checked by the doctor, but he was thinking VD. Mm-hmm. That wasn't even any we did. We. Human beings at that period of time, which would be 19, 1960, yeah, 1960, right, didn't even have these these vague thoughts, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the, we were instructed by Jenny. She said we wanted to turn him into the police. She said absolutely, no, she wouldn't let us. We were not to tell the police. We were not to tell anybody. It was just our secret. Okay, that's what, you know, that's how, and, uh, but you sure about the police? Yes, absolutely. Well, it turns out later, as I did my research, that was very important not to tell the police. Why? Because there was what I discovered, I ended up calling the pure rape, the pure rape allowance. Yeah, because it, it turns out that in the law subsequent to the American Law Institute model penal code, which I discovered later, uh, there was a period you could, a boy who was uh, five years older than the girl, or maybe in some places 10 or maybe less than five, it was child-child sex play, defined as sex play. What? So if we had contacted the police, it would have been another additional trauma for her Mm -hmm. because they would, well, what did you say to him? What did you do? You know, we know that children are sexual from birth. So that children are sexual from birth haunted me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew a party line when I heard one because I came from a communist family. Mom and dad, it was during depression, and they had become commies or, you know, mm-hmm. as as mi- millions had at that time. Uh, you know, it, there, was, there were bread lines, people were standing in bread lines, and it was a really tough time. So people looked for another alternative. They thought, well, this would be better than what we have, mm-hmm. uh, not understanding the situation properly. But I knew when i heard that they were repeating they were repeating a, a a phrase they had learned and where had they learned it this became the issue where did they learn across the board that would mean that was cross you know across the country that quote children are sexual in birth which justifies rape justifies raping children by an adult who's within certain number of years of the child and or by another kid. Well, then I was at my aunt's house years later, and I saw Kinsey up on the shelf. And By that time, I was, you know, honing into Kinsey's role in all this. I said, Aunt Libby, I said, What's that? And she said, well, it's an important book. You know, she says, everybody was reading it. You know, We, everybody was reading it uh, to know how, you know, our sexuality. And I said, that's Alfred Kinsey. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the pages in there. And, of course, it becomes part of my life. I'm looking at page... Uh, 180 and it shows a, a, a four-year-old child having 26 orgasms, 26 orgasms, a four-year-old child, in 24 hours. Well, by that time, I would have been back at school if, if I needed to be back in school, you know, what do you need to figure out? That's an experiment around the clock. What? And this was the man my aunt was quoting, Carol was quoting, and the world was quoting. He had become the model for human sexuality education. As Donahue said, you know, later we did an interview with Donahue, and he said he was defending Kinsey, of course, because he worked for the Kinsey Institute with with June Reinish, and he said in his interview with me and a couple other people, he said, this is Dr. Alfred Kinsey, the greatest researcher on human sexuality. He says, he, oh yeah, he said, like Marie Curie found, yeah, he said, and, and Kin and Einstein, E equals MC square. Dr. Kinsey established human sexuality, he says, for a generation of sexologists. And that was true at that time. A generation of sexologists, he says. And they were all standing on Kinsey. They all learned from Kinsey. And and he said, and Kinsey, you're saying Kinsey was a dirty old man. And he was. No, he said, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was married. He was a respectable guy. Um, you know, monogamous marriage, which turned out to be a bunch of bunk. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a homosexual, bisexual uh, who engaged in sadomasochistic activity, which essentially wiped him out. He died of orchitis, which was associated with doing damage to your organs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... um And he only hired people like him to do his alleged research. Anyway, all that, you know. So, okay. Anyway, that's a little bit of my background.
2: Well, thank you for sticking around to the end of part one, reintroducing you to Dr. Judith Reisman and her interview for our documentary film, The Mind Polluters. Reminder, you can listen to the rest of her interviews uh, part two, episode 69. Part three, four, five are, are episodes 70, 71, and 72. And part six is episode 78. There are links to those in the show notes.
1: And be sure to visit fearlessfeatures.org to learn more about our filmmaking ministry and more about us. Have a wonderfully blessed day. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday.